Hello and welcome to episode two of the Cosper Pointcast. I'm your host, Trevor Shackles. And joining me today is OHL and QMJHL prospect analyst for Hockey Prospectus, but he does not play for the Nashville Predators. It's Craig Smith. Craig, how's it going? Good, Trevor. What's going on, man? Not much. Uh, yeah, just thanks for talking to me today. Um, I think a lot of Sens fans are going to want to hear what you have to say um, because you have been at the Sens development camp over the past week, and I wanted to get your insight on various players that you saw. So let's get right into it. First of all, pretty easy question. Who was the most impressive or I guess most NHL-ready player you saw at camp? Well, I guess the uh, the cheat answer on that would be Nick Paul. Um, but seeing time, obviously uh, Shabbat was impressive. The guys who were supposed to stand out did. Um, aside from that, uh, I was really impressed by second-round pick Jonathan Dolan. Right. He really showed the stuff I was expecting to see, which is what you want. Uh, lots of effort, guys. Uh, Miles Jundren showed a really good growth from previous years. I know just the buzz around the guys up in the room, uh, but they're, they're impressed with his camp as well. Uh, so those are guests would be the obvious answers on that. From a surprise standpoint, uh, Marcus Nurmi, uh, raw, raw skill is really high on him. So good shot, good stick handling, decent skating, lots of work to do, but the raw skills are impressive. Interesting. I, uh, they're definitely some of the names I wasn't expecting. Like I wasn't expecting you to definitely say Nermy. Um, I know that Nick Paul won the uh, the hardest. What what is it? A hardest. The hardest. Worker? Worker. Yeah, hardest yeah. worker. I'm not really surprised with that. It, I I feel like they usually give awards to guys like that who are kind of grinder types. I know Mark Borvietsky won it. Did he win it twice? I feel like he he definitely won it once. He might have. Max McCormick won it last year. Right. I really it, thought they were going to give it to Babcock this year. <laughs> he was uh, 150 miles an hour on every drill, everything he did. So yeah, that was, was funny seeing Mike Bab Mike Babcock on that roster. <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah. So what about some of the bigger prospects? Um, obviously like Thomas Shabbat, Colin White, Logan Brown, and lastly Gabriel Gagne. I know a lot of people have said good things about Gagne at development camp. Did any of those guys stand out to you as impressive, or at least seem NHL ready? Well, again, the uh, Shabbat and Shabbat and Paul were good. They did what they're supposed to do. Obviously, Shabbat's skill sets higher than Paul, um, so he really showed off. Especially the three on three this morning, he was awesome, just dangling back and forth. That's a tough situation for him as well, being a defenseman, uh, more of a puck moving outlet type defenseman, patient with the puck moving it up the ice, able to skate at the distance. It was to tougher because it's a half ice sort of clearing the zone on the same goalie situation. So for him to shine in that scenario, that's more suited to a Logan Brown type guy, big size corners down low cycling. It was good for to see Shabbat excel there. Right, Nick I think Paul excelled. Yeah, Nick Nick Paul excelled there as well. Right, yeah, I, I think a lot of fans are excited for Shabbat mainly because he. We don't really have a ton of blue chip prospects on the back end, and. Do you think any reason why, I mean, they haven't acquired a defenseman yet. They haven't signed any depth defenseman, and maybe they do. That may change. They may trade for one as well. But do you think that they may not acquire defenseman this summer because they're sort of banking on Shabbat to be in that top six and maybe be that seventh guy? Um, and, like, do you think he looks NHL ready for the job next year as a 19-year-old? 
Uh, yes, uh, to be blunt, I think he'd be one of the three best defensemen on the team next year. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it would be obviously Carlson, and then you could argue between him and Fanuf for that second slot. I think he would definitely be better than CC, better than Borowicki. Um, Mathot, I guess, would depend on his health and what he can actually contribute. But I think uh, in a perfect world, I'd lo- if they would have signed somebody to play on that top role with Carlson, I would have loved to see him on the left side beside Fanuf in his natural right side. That would have been a great slot for him on that second pairing. So I think right. he can have. Right, yeah. I mean, I I honestly have super high hopes for Shabbat. Um I mean, can you can be I'm surprised that you're that confident of him just because we saw Cody CC, he had sort of that same pedigree. They're, they're different players obviously, but I mean, even even still CC's an unfinished product, but um certainly we kind of need Shabbat to be good right away almost or at least by next year, wouldn't you say? Yeah, if the organization wants to be in the playoffs, absolutely. He has to come in and he has to be good. I don't think the organization's in the right mindset, but that's a debate for another podcast. The Between CeCe and Shabbat, yeah, they're two entirely different players. Obviously, being in Ottawa, lots of 67s hockey, uh, saw a lot of CeCe, actually saw his very first game ever when he was 15 with the wow. 67s. <laughs> I remember that one. Um, and he's obviously there, but Shabbat's anticipation, his playmaking, and the way he just sees the game is far, far ahead of what Cody CeCe's ever was. That's that's uh, pretty encouraging. I I, I think... I'm pr- honestly, I'm pretty pessimistic going into the season if if they don't do anything else. But I will say this: their one saving grace is that if Shabbat has sort of like a Goss despair type impact, like uh, like he had on the Flyers, and if he can, I mean, maybe not, uh, you know, like a Calder worthy season or something. But if he can at least provide some stability on the second and third pairing, I think that gives Ottawa a better shot. But God, that's a that's a lot to pin on a guy who's 19 years old, really. It is, and that's kind of, I guess, where the team's got to decide. But he'll definitely, I think, he'll definitely get his nine games, and then they'll go from there. Yeah, I definitely hope he at least gets the nine. Um, now, moving on to the AHL team in Binghamton, they've obviously been terrible for a few few years now. Uh, do you think the incoming guys like Francis Perron, Gabriel Gagne, and Andreas England can make a big difference there? And do you think any of those guys could even get a shot in the NHL and make a difference for a bit? Well, I think with England, he's he's a big boy, skates well, good transitional skating. From an auto perspective, I guess look at him sort of as the next Mathot, if you will. Um, sort of that shut-down, defensive-minded guy. Perron's... Yeah, Perron's really good. Obviously, he had a phenomenal year, career year, MVP in the playoffs, MVP the regular season. Uh, as far as making a improvement to the bingo team, I guess that depends if guys like Dzingel and stuff are back, right? Because Perron can just kind of slide into his spot if Dizzy's going to be up with the big team or not. Um, right. Gagne, I saw reports on Twitter. He's actually going back to the queue, they announced. Is he really? I did not. I didn't even see that. Was yeah. that in the last few days? No, just today, this afternoon, Yost was, I think it was Yost oh, that wow. put up there, um, that he's going back to, yeah, he's gonna, they're going to send him back for his overage year, which, considering what happened to him this year with the injuries, and it was almost like a write-off, um, yeah, makes sense, I guess, try it out. But huh. Yeah, I totally missed it. I was at work today, so that's uh, <laughs> not good on my part. Obviously, I guess that's a big 
blow for Binghamton then. Um, I I mean, obviously it was good that they had those few depth signings as well. They had, uh, who was it, Chad Naring, who honestly I had never heard of till they signed him. And uh, they re-signed some of their RFAs as well. So I think they'll probably be like better. They may might be a playoff team, but yeah. honestly, it's just not good for prospects to be on such a terrible team. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really I don't I really don't think it's good for the development. So I hope I really hope they're at least a capable team next year because God, I hated seeing every night. You know, oh, Binghamton lost five nothing and got it outshot forty five to ten or whatever. So, I really hope the those guys like Perron and England can make a difference. Obviously, not Gagne then. But um, speaking of Gagne, I feel like I've heard a lot about him at the development camp from the past two years, and people have been saying they've been impressed with him. Um, although his last two years in the queue have been a bit underwhelming, and he's obviously had a lot of injury troubles. So do you think he can turn it around and be an impact player, or is his injuries sort of more of an excuse and it's just kind of projecting on the raw skills? I think it's more towards the raw skills. Uh, I wasn't a fan of Gandhi at the time when they selected him. I thought it was a bit of a reach in the draft. Uh, David McKnight, who was more the Q-focused guy at that time with the prospectus, uh, sort of agreed. Um, he's definitely a mid six forward at his ceiling, uh, but he's the sexy player, right? I remember uh, the scouts and everybody after they drafted him, the interviews they were talking about, you don't find guys that big that skate like that. Whenever a player is described as that is his first description, it's always sort of, I guess, a, a red flag or a warning to me. Right. It's, uh, sort of a, similar to Logan Stanley, the defenseman this year. He's six foot seven and he skates fast for a big guy. Okay, right. Well, great. isn't that isn't that it's sort of more of like a well? He doesn't skate necessarily well, but considering his size, sort of thing. Well, Gagne skates well. Period. Like he's a really good skater, good speed. Um, best way to I described him back then was uh, you're hoping he's a lesser version of Mike Hoffman in that sense. Hmm. Big shot, big speed. Uh, doesn't have the release, doesn't have the elite shot that Hoffman does. Uh, obviously, doesn't have the hands, but he's a sexy player, and that's why I think everybody likes him, and that's why when he goes to camps, he looks good, but he's just missing a lot of the stuff. And it's kind of funny because he's sort of the anti-Senators draft pick in a sense that, yes, he has size, but he's not hard on the puck. He's a soft player, um, just very different from what you would normally see the Senators taking which is more the hard nose in your face kind of guy yeah that is kind of strange um i mean i obviously you've watched way more than of him than i have i've hardly watched any of him but purely looking at his size you know six five one eighty five you can just tell that's a senator's draft pick they haven't drafted anyone uh below or i believe they might have drafted somebody below six feet this draft but they've basically yeah, been Dolan, drafting Dolan's five ten who was it uh, Jonathan Dolan. Right. Yeah, exactly. So he was the first one in a few years. Um, but it, yeah, you're right. It is surprising that Gagne is, isn't this, you know, bruiser type winger. Um, but I do find it interesting that he's this huge guy and, you know, he's playing against guys who are younger than him now and he hasn't been able to dominate. Like he had, he only had 36 points in 42 games in the queue this year. I mean, I guess you can attribute that to injuries, but that is a bit strange. So you do hope that he dominates this last year in the queue. 
Um, but I mean, people are still going to project him to size even if he has a poor year. So yeah, all, all you can hope is that he uh, produces this year, I guess. Yeah, let's. You, you hope so because from Ottawa's sake, when you got guys like Daniel Sprong who were taken just after him, I think right. Kill, Killington and Forsback Carlson. Yeah, oh, I really wanted Chillington at that point. <laughs> so yeah. I don't like Sprong. I know we had him at hockey perspectives. So we had him as a first round pick. Uh, I can't remember who. I think uh, yeah, and Central Scouting had a lot higher. So that's what I mean. He was kind of a guy. He was kind of reach at the time when. But Sprong, if you wanted that skilled guy that's you know that has the same attributes as Gagne but does a better job of it, he would have made more sense at the time. But he again didn't have the same size, quote unquote. Right. I do find it funny that they that was the pick they traded up for. They traded their yeah. second and a third uh, this year. So it's kind of funny when people reference um, trading up, oh, like trading up for Carlson and then trading up for Brown. So. But, you know, if a guy like Gagne doesn't turn out, then that's not really a, a good point for that argument because, I mean, he certainly could turn out, but it is funny that he's had a bit of a rough year or two after this. Yeah, it's it's been a downwards, downward trending for him, which is not good. You want to see upward yeah. trends. So. Anyway, um, another Binghamton player I wanted to quickly touch on was McCoy Urkamps, who signed a few months ago out of the Brandon Wheat Kings. And he interests me because I knew who he was growing up since he lived in the city next to me uh, in Ladner. And so it's pretty cool to see him signed. And so is he a legitimate prospect or is was he only successful this year because he was a 20-year-old playing with top prospect Ivan Provorov? Now, I've only seen video of him uh, other than seeing him at the camp this weekend, which is not a great place to evaluate especially defensemen like him. Right. But yeah, he's a, he's got a shot at being a depth guy, a six, seven type guy on the team. I don't think he'll ever be more than a third pairing. Uh, definitely a guy that a depth guy, you know, maybe top pairing in Binghamton and then with the senators down there or in Belleville, maybe soon. And uh, <laughs> coming up, coming up in injury scenarios, things like that. Um, Apparently, from what I understand, talking to a couple of scouts out west, his skill set has improved vastly over the last couple of years. So it wasn't just a Provorov influence. Um, obviously, it helped with the point totals, but his skill set did improve. Right. I mean, that that's encouraging. And it's not like I'm just looking at his numbers here. In his draft year, he had 35 points uh, for Lethbridge. And certainly... He got 71 points last year, yeah. uh, almost a point a game. It's not like that's completely all Provorov. Like, you have to have some skill there. So, obviously, uh, you're right. He must have improved and changed something. And, you know, even if he doesn't amount to anything, uh, Binghamton depth... Oh, sorry. Binghamton desperately needed that depth. They def desperately needed a defenseman like that. So, it's always good to have these organizational guys anyway, really. Yeah, with him in England now down there, you got a couple good guys you can reach out that are going to be safe guys to bring up, right? Low-risk guys that you can plug in, play them 10 minutes a night, maybe a little bit on penalty kills, and you'll be okay in a couple of years anyways. Yeah, I, I think a, bringing up a guy like England or, or, or Camps would be better than bringing up Ben Harper, who just looks totally <laughs> lost. He, he's, he's a uh, worse Jared Cowan. Watching him, watching him through the stick handling drills was almost comical. Oh, man. <laughs> it was, I, it was bad. How do guys like that get drafted, though? 
size. Uh, there's there's so many people that are still enamored with size and that sort of attitude. I remember when I when I just first started doing this, I had a couple NHL scouts that were willing to sit down with me and kind of go through processes. And the amount of guys that told me that make sure you stay to the end of the game because you want to see who punches who in the mouth because those are the guys <laughs> you want on their team. And it's, oh man, it's still there. Like it's, <laughs> that idea is still there, and it's to me you got to draft for home runs, not for. You know, not for the third, fourth line. But. Yeah, oh, I'm totally with you. Like, there's yeah. no need to really draft for those guys. You can sign them as free agents. Um, and as a as a pretty short short guy, I'm only 5'7", I definitely can side with the shorter guys around the league, you know, Johnny Goodrow and Tyler Johnson and uh, and all those guys because you see what they can do, right? And and not, not just forwards as well, defensemen um, too. And you just see time and time again these bigger guys are getting chances and you look at a guy like logan stanley and i honestly just can't see him being anything that great and he was a first round pick and then yes. a guy a guy who's you know five eight puts up 100 points or a guy like debrinket even you know he's i bet you he's gonna be a 50 60 point guy because yep. uh just look at his track record <laughs> well two guys adam adam fox and ken denine two high 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 yeah. productive smaller guys Especially Camden Eade had skating criticisms from a lot of scouts, and that's fine. But Adam Fox can skate. And the idea of taking – he went to the – I think just at the beginning of the third round or end of the second. And a guy like that dropping that far, that I think he's the all-time leader uh, or uh, points per game for defensemen in the U.S. National Development Program. And that's wow. that's impressive. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like if you, if you said somebody – or if you told a scout that – Without telling his size, he he would think, okay, that's like a top ten pick, but oh, yeah. <laughs> mention his size, and then it changes everything. Yeah. Anyway, we uh, let's move on from the Binghamton guys. Uh, we haven't really touched much on Colin White and Logan Brown, um, two of the last three Senators first round picks. Do you see them as more elite type prospects, guys who are going to be ranked in the top twenty overall uh, of prospects? Who, guys who are going to be first-line players, or do you think they're going to be more like safe two-way second-line centers that are sounds in both ends of the ice? I mean, obviously they're different players, but I'm trying to just group them together here. The Yeah, they're different players, but I think they're also similar in some ways. Like Logan, Logan Brown is obviously, the size factor is obviously there, so it's more impressive that he can do what he does with that size. He's agility down low uh the way he's able to distribute the puck is a very very impressive colin white again smart guy distributes the puck really well a little bit maybe a little bit better scoring potential offensive upside overall from colin white probably a better defensive player as well at this point but i think logan brown can get there once the interest shows uh a little bit better on the defensive side but he's just such a big guy that he kind of can get away with taking shortcuts at the junior level, which eventually those habits will have to creep away. But as far as their ceiling or their potential for the both of them, I think in a Kyle Turris sort of sense, yes, I think they can be top one of the 30 best defensemen in the NHL in a sense, right. or the best defenseman on the team, or best centerman on the team, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> they might be the best defenseman on the team in a couple <laughs> years too. Yeah, it could uh, be. Swap him in with, with, with uh, Borbietsky. Exactly. But from a Stanley Cup winning perspective or a championship contending team, I think they're second line centers. So 
that elite second line center. The that's what you need. The guy who can match up well, win you the sort of the Logan Couture, not maybe that good, but in that elite status of top, top, top notch guy. But I, where I was going to find that other top center, I don't know. So maybe the solution for them is yeah, you run out Turris, White, Brown down the middle, uh, Pajot, I guess on the fourth line at one point because the other two guys will pass them in a couple of years. But you run it that way. But yeah, they're good players. They're really, really good players. Huge offensive upside for both of them. Um, I don't think you'll ever see them winning scoring titles, but 60 points, 60 to 65 points is definitely a good possibility for both. Right, that's pretty encouraging. And the Ottawa may never get that first, like, true elite first-line talent because, honestly, I, I can't see them picking top three unless they win the lottery. Um, but if they do run out a lineup... With, you know, Turris, White, Brown, and Pajot. And then, I mean, who knows what they'll do with the bandage Maybe they'll trade him or put him on the wing. But if they have those four guys, that's insane depth. And obviously that um, White and Brown may not turn out, obviously. But the fact that they could run out those four is really good. And Kyle Turris is kind of that in that same that same description you were talking about, that 60 to 65 point player. And really that's a first line center. I mean, it's, it's more like a, in the 20 to 30 range of the best centers, but that's still a first line center. And if you have two or hell three of those guys, that's insane. And I think another thing that the senators have been focusing on is more forwards who are defensively responsible and guys who can play in their own zone as well because they may not be able to improve their defense that much, but if they can at least get forwards who know what they're doing in their own zone and can help out the defense, then that obviously will decrease their goal totals. Or, sorry, goals against totals. So that will be nice to see. I mean, if you have Turris, Brown, and White as your top three centers, those are perfect two-way centers, really, that can do it in both ends of the ice. So that would be nice to see. Yeah, it'd be something that would be uh, a rarity in Ottawa, which would be a possible yeah. a positive possession team, which would be uh, obviously very nice. And I don't know, maybe times are changing. You know, you see a skilled guy that's, again, with Brown, he's not going to be a physical guy. And it's going to drive Ottawa fans crazy, just like he did with Weir Koch. He's 6'6", 225 pounds. He's not going to hit people. He's mm. gonna, like People will bounce off of him, but he's not going to hit people. So for them to have a pick a guy like that, a guy like Colin White, same ideas. Not a, you can hit, but not a necessarily hard-nosed guy. And then you see Dolan in the second round, 5'10", another skill guy. Uh, Nurmi, same thing. Um, so just kind of going, oh, maybe there is a changing of direction slightly that might be a positive but just trying to get more balance. Yeah, well, I think they're trying to be... A, well, they've always taken safe players, really, unless you want to say Eric Carlson. Um, but they're trying to get that two-way player. And honestly, when, when I, before I'd researched Logan Brown much, I just saw his name and I saw his size, and I thought, oh, God, I really don't want Otto to take this guy. He's probably just, you know, this big bruising guy that isn't going to amount to much but like when i did my research and watched videos of him and um look at what scouts had to say and stuff it is nice to see that 
his toughness wasn't anything that was praised. It was like nobody really mentioned it. They said his skating was fine. He's he's not known for his size, which is great to see because I think he could just be a normal sort of center that sort of a guy like uh, James and James ugh, sorry James Van Riemsdyk who isn't obviously center, but he doesn't use his size really that much, uh, even though he's known as a power forward. But you know a guy like that who can score goals and obviously it's hard to compare wingers and centers here but yeah i i honestly like that they have these capable forwards that can do it in both ends of the ice and yeah i think they're it's really gonna help their defense in the end yeah obviously it's going to i think the biggest the biggest help on defense is for them is going to be it's just gonna be the fact that now they're getting these guys who can get the puck get it up ice get it in the zone and maintain it in that zone. Um, Brown, uh, Brown is not a shoot first guy. And that's one thing they need less of. Like obviously Bobby Ryan's sort of transitioned to a little bit more of a passer than most people want yeah. to give him credit for. But that second line that they're running out with Hoffman's been a and Bobby Ryan seems to be very much a trigger happy line. We don't know. Well, we'll see what happens this year as far as the lineup, but it's just, you know, you're, watching some of these kids at camp and you're watching Brown and Dolan and Perron and you're watching these guys and the way they just cycle and find these open lanes and the creativity of them. And it's not like a group of prospects that Ottawa has had for a very, very, very long time. I think I'm just going to cut out that last 10 seconds you said and put that as the promo and then people would just be very excited. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's good, man. Like we had, we had, Hockey Prospectus, we had them as the 29th ranked yep. prospect pool. That's pretty depressing. That was they're two years ago, pro- right? Yeah, they're probably going to be somewhere between 15 to 20 this year because, yeah, they have the four or five good prospects, but everything after that is pretty low. Right. Uh, I think they have some flyers, guys like Lajoie, guys like Nurmi. I think even Christian Yaros could go in with that Anglin or Camp grouping. Um for depth guys, good Binghamton guys, good AHL guys, and good call-ups, but it's definitely getting better, that's for sure. Right, yeah, well, let, let's keep going on this, uh, the rankings here. Um, Callum and I sort of touched on this a bit last week as well. Um, I, I definitely see this as a as sort of a middle-of-the-pack group, and it's hard. I think after maybe four or five, it's basically every other team is sort of going to have these guys. You know, everyone has like a Max Lajoie. Everyone has a, a guy yeah. like Dahl and these guys that have upside but are sort of later round picks. But I think the fact that they have White, Shabbat, and Brown, like that's that's really impressive, I got to say. It's important positions as well, right? Yeah, and exactly. It's, it's fine to have like, it's fine to have good upside wingers. It's fine to have all those guys. But when you have people coming in at position, at defense and at center which ottawa has not had for a couple of years now is good center depth and good defensive depth excuse me the uh it's important to have that growth in those positions we've always had decent wingers but we never seem to have anybody that can get them the puck or play with them so that's finally coming around and it's still going to be obviously three or four years before it all comes together but it's coming yeah, which is kind of that's kind of depressing when you think how long we've been waiting for this team to improve, and oh, just a few more years. But I, I honestly think 
uh, 20, what would it be? 27, 2017-18 could be a pretty good year for them. I really think White could make the jump after that year, just one more year at BC. And then if Shabbat's already uh, made his mark on the lineup, I mean, that could be a pretty good team. And then maybe the year after that, you're getting a couple other prospects. It just uh, it just kills me when you're wasting the prime, though, of guys like Carlson and Stone and Hoffman who are in their mid-20s. And, I mean, this is their prime. It's not the late 20s anymore. It's their mid-20s. No, I think, well, 17, you're talking about like the 17, 18. I think Brown will be in the, I think Brown's got one more year of junior that I think he can come up. He's got these big enough. Uh, Perron can come up. White can come up. Shabbat will be on the team. Again, I think he's going to make the team out of camp this year and play. Um, but Brown will go back this year, which is the right thing. So with, especially with how good Windsor's going to be and they're going to be competing for the Memorial Cup. So that's important growth and character building for him. Yeah, exactly. But, I think all the guys will be there. And if you add, so if you kind of, if they first, if they actually are able to sign off into a contract and keep him around for a couple of years, you add in, sure, you add in Bobby Ryan, you add in Kyle Turris, you add in the growth of Pajot, Zabinajad, um, hopefully MacArthur is healthy and he's back. And all of a sudden, if you have now your bottom six consisting of a Logan Brown, a Peral, uh, Colin White, um, guys like that, all of a sudden this team has three lines that you can roll out. Shabbat on the back end, all of a sudden things are starting to look pretty positive. Oh, yeah. I, I It definitely could be quite the positive scene in a year or two. But do you think for this season, let's let's assume that they don't make any moves and they have Shabbat on the back end. I mean, how do you how do you see this season playing out then? I don't think anybody wants to hear my opinion on the Senators <laughs> this year. Because, to be honest with you, I think, finish, uh, I think they're going to finish last in the division, and I Eesh. think they're going to probably be a bottom five team in the league. I, I yeah, I honestly could see Toronto passing them as well. Yeah, it's conceivable. It's just, it, it'll be close, probably. It's going to be. A, it's definitely going to be a battle, and it may came. It may come down to an injury or two, or strength of schedule type thing, which I guess will pretty much be the same, considering they're in the same division. But right. it may just come down to the games with amongst each other. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of variables. I still think they'll probably finish like fifth or something, just because like Ottawa can r- never really be that terrible, just because they have Eric Carlson, unless he goes out for an extended period of time. I guess. Um, knock on wood here. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Let's, let's go to, uh, some more optimistic things here. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So, um, Craig Anderson is obviously moving up there in age and Ottawa needs to find a goalie relatively soon. Not this year, maybe not even the year after that, but relatively soon. Um, do you think there's any chance that Matt O'Connor or Marcus Hogberg can be that guy? They've sort of had their ups and downs, especially O'Connor with his downs last year. Um, have they impressed you at camp or last year? Uh, do you think they can come in the league like and perform this year or next year? Well, probably just O'Connor this year, but yeah. Um, to, no, uh, to be honest. Um, O'Connor's got a, a lot of work to do. Um, uh, there's a conversation with uh, one of the goaltending coaches for the Senators. He's talking about O'Connor's done, made a lot of changes and improved a lot. Still have some concerns. I know he's said to be an athletic goalie but um, whether he was just tired this week or whether he was injured the fact that I, I still see multiple pushes to go once he's in this butterfly to get across the crease you know for a cross ice pass it takes him two pushes to get across that crease a lot of the time is very concerning um 
Holberg needs to work on simple things. Uh, his glove sits a little low down, um, so he gets beat up high on the glove side a little bit, which is always not good because that's where NHL shooters tend to shoot. Um, but down low, he's really good. Uh, legs are phenomenal. Same with, uh, well, O'Connor's rebound control has improved immensely. Um, the one kid that I kind of have an outside hope for, and it's going to be a long way down the road, Decord. is jo- Joel Decord. Mm-hmm. Um, just sort of that, from the narrative point, with his dad being a goaltending coach and running goaltending camps, the kid's got all the skills. Uh, he's unbelievably athletic. His ability to handle the puck is by far the best of all the goalies that they probably have in the organization right now. He skates really well for a goalie. He's fast. <laughs> probably move the puck up the ice better than he right now. Um, but he's just some simple techniques he's got to work on. Um, angles, things like that, positioning in the net. But as far as puck tracking and, again, the raw, 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 raw ability with him, it's probably the best in the organization, I think. But goalies aren't my specialty, so it probably means O'Connor's going to be the future goalie. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, we were discussing last week, goalies are voodoo, so why even have this part of the podcast? Yeah, there's guys that are doing some great stuff with that and starting to figure it out. And I've been learning a lot. I got a couple good friends that are um, goalie coaches or have played goalie at a high level, and they're teaching me as much as I possibly can about goalie positioning and where they're supposed to be and how they're supposed to do certain things. But so I'm learning, but it's still it's still a process for me on that. So right, that's interesting. I mean, I I honestly wouldn't know what to look for if I was scouting a goalie. So. You, you obviously know a lot more about that than I do. Um, yeah, I, it's interesting that you mentioned Decord because I remember when they drafted him last year, um, he had really good numbers in – what was the league he got drafted out of? It was a uh, – I can't remember exactly. But it, 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 was it a high school it's a league? Prep or? School. Yeah, it's a prep school. Okay, and prep school, yeah. So, I mean, and the fact that his dad's a goalie coach and all that stuff, so that intrigued me. Um Moving back to O'Connor, though, do you think, I mean, he's turning 24 this year, or maybe 24 already. Um, do you think this is kind of his last shot? If he posts another sub-900 save percentage this year in the AHL, do you think he's done? Probably. Um, it sounds crazy to say it, but it, if you're going into 25 and, you know, uh, you still can't take that starting job away from, from Dregs, it's it's going to be tough and like Holberg's not going to probably go back to Sweden because there's no playing time for him here in, in North America. Right. It's just, yeah. so when you don't want to have your prospect just sitting on the bench as a healthy scratch or anything like that. So maybe, and once he's over there, he's it's not going to fly back and forth. But I think if anything, Holberg's probably the guy you're hoping for. Um, just because I think he's a bit younger. He's a bit younger, um, size is there, like he's, the pedigree's a little bit better with him, I think, as well, which for goaltending is, I think, is important. It sounds silly to say that, but you look at a guy like Matt Murray, right? Matt Murray had crazy numbers at junior, crazy numbers yeah. in the NHL, like it was, he was good all the way through, and that's kind of what you're looking for, so. All right, interesting. Um, so... One question I was pretty intrigued to hear the answer was, um, who do you think is like the most underrated guy in the system that gets no love from your perspective? 
the most underrated guy that gets no love. Well, not necessarily no love. No, I know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a tough one. Give me one second. Um, the, I guess, I'm just trying to think. Like, I know it's, I guess I want to say Perron just for the sense that I think when he was drafted as seventh round pick, I think that was flawed. Like you go back and look at that draft and it wasn't a great draft. And if you go back and watch Perron's tape or watch games from back in his draft year, I think that's before, and I know that was only a couple of years ago, but the scouting's changed so much even in those two years or so that mm-hmm. his speed and the, the lack of um, flash, I guess it's not as, it's, it's not as important anymore. So I think he's the one guy that I think obviously this year he's getting a lot of buzz because of the, um, the awards and everything that he got. But I think that probably being a seventh round pick the and seeing how he was, who he was before, I think he probably should have got the love earlier than he has. So I guess that would be one guy, but it's hard to put that on that because again, talking about the prospects in the pool, you got four or five really good players and then you got a bunch of long shots. So it's kind of hard yeah. to, you know, you get excited about the Anglins, you get excited about the air camps, you get excited about all these guys, but realistically, I don't know if any of them are anything to get too pumped out up about. Like Lejoie is the one guy to me that I'm kind of excited about. And um, after seeing him and just seeing some of the stuff that he has is nerve I'm interested to see what he can become, but that's it. Yeah. It's sort of just a lot of, interesting names and yeah. you never know if any of these guys are going to amount to anything but for Perron uh do you think I don't I don't see many top 100 lists out there for prospects they're more in like top 50s do you think he could end up being on you know maybe a top 75 list or something like that like do you think he's that highly regarded around the league I think he's getting there I think it's hard to deny what he did this year in the Quebec league and if he comes into Excuse me. If he comes into the HL next season and he if he can put up fifty points, forty five, fifty points next year as a first year pro, I think that yeah. you got to start taking him seriously. And I don't see why he wouldn't. Like he's going to get good opportunity, good minutes there. I obviously we don't know how the coach is going to treat young players versus veterans down there with the regime change. But yeah. I mean, to be fair, we said that last year with Tobias Lindbergh and he got scratched a few games. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's unfortunate because he's doing pretty good, but that's a perfect example of yep. a guy, right? Who Lindbergh, you know, he was sort of, nobody ever talked about him and then he wins a Memorial cup with Oshawa and all of a sudden everybody's like, Oh, who's this Tobias Lindbergh guy? Yeah, That's true. And that's kind of the same way with Perron. And I think that's why I think he's a legitimate prospect that it just took him doing something spectacular for people to finally recognize him. Right. Well, yeah. Well, I have no doubt in my mind that if he was a first-round pick, he'd be almost a lock to make the team, just like Curtis Lazar was two years ago. I mean, it, it's just it's bias, really, based on where you drafted. No, and that's and I I actually wrote that in my preview piece last year about Colin White, saying that if you reverse Colin White and Curtis Lazar, the excitement level would be even higher because. Oh, yeah. Colin White came out of the U.S. program, and Lazar was the Canadian boy kid, and obviously got all the you know the captain of the Oil Kings and all that. Yeah, so. won the Memorial Cup, all that exactly. stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So not really fair uh, with those evaluations, but you know I'm excited to see what Perron can do this year, um, and I'm betting he'll get a cup of coffee in the NHL, maybe like you know 15 games or something. Well, yeah, I think 
I think a lot you might see a lot of guys come up at the end of the year. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, if they're out, if they're out of it, basically depressing look on the, the the season. But and that would make sense is to bring guys up and let them take a shot. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, I'm probably gonna have to. Yeah, still very similar to what the Leafs did this year. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, um, what are the overall impressions you've had at development camp? Uh, just finished up today. Um, and we sort of touched on this bit before, um, but what do you, how do you feel about the state of the sense farm system then? Uh, well, it's improving. Uh, it's steadily improving. I'd like to see them get some more picks, especially since I think they had a really, really strong draft this year. Um, five picks, <laughs> yeah, but only five picks. Right. And this wasn't a, this wasn't a strong draft by any means. Next year is probably going to be a weaker draft, uh, than this year. Uh, the first two rounds, uh, were strong this year, and then it fell off a cliff, which is why you saw a lot of overagers getting selected, uh, just because of the overall depth. And then people wanted to go back to last year, which was a stronger draft. So I don't know. I guess they're going to have to hit some home runs next year, which they might be able to. Unfortunately, again, maybe a Nolan Patrick cross our fingers. Yeah. yeah. But uh, <laughs> um, it's going to be – I think it's improving. And I think if – I'm not worried about – development of players as much with this group because i think they are smarter than some other guys we've had in the past um a little bit and obviously players are becoming more physically mature so as far as the timelines obviously for younger players now they're shortening up very very quickly and you're not seeing three four-year development curves for top end prospects anymore it's one to two years that's it so right and and the thing is i think ottawa can't really afford that they need guys to come in the lineup in, you know, this year with Shabbat and next year with maybe White and Brown or just one of them and Perron and England and these guys. Like, they need these guys to contribute pretty soon or else they're just kind of wasting these years. Exactly. And it's, you know, uh, even though we, we all talk about Hoffman and getting him signed up, like, he's, you know, he's on the he's other seven. <laughs> yeah, he's on the other side of his, of his, of his development curve or yep. his... Uh, you know, he's going to be on the downswing now. And obviously Bobby Ryan's on the downswing now. And Turris has got a couple of years left before he's there. So they have to make a decision soon and try and build up, pick a year, whether it's 2017, 2018 or 2018, 2019. Pick a year where they think all these guys can come in and play, you know, mid six to, you know, middle six minutes and be very, contri- and contribute or play, you know, second pairing defensive minutes and help out and make their run at that point. Yeah, I mean, it, it's sad that I've already resigned to the fact that next year's kind of going to be a wash. So I'm just really hoping 2017-18 is uh, they go hard for it. And I, I could see it happening. I could see them having a, a decent team. It just a lot has to go right for their prospect development. It's possible. Um, they definitely have the pieces there. They just need these guys to develop so badly. Well, they, and they have to because... Everybody else in the division is getting really, really good, really yeah. fast. Look at what Florida is doing. Well, Florida, Buffalo's loaded up front. They yep. need some help on the back end. Uh, obviously, Toronto's building like an all-star team. Um, it's so yeah. I mean, gonna... the only two teams I could see downtrending are uh, Detroit and Boston. But I mean, yep. even them, you can never really count them out. No, well, Detroit will be interesting as far as what's happening. Like, they just locked into a bunch of older guys again. Right. But um, they still have Dylan Larkin. They still have Nyquist. They still have young players coming. So 
they'll be they'll be competitive for the next while anyway. So Ottawa's got to figure out what they're going to do for sure. And obviously the young kids coming are going to help, but they need a couple more. Yeah, they definitely do. All right. Well, uh, we've talked for a while, and there's definitely a lot more things I could ask. I was trying to come up with all these questions for you about these prospects, and I realized that probably would have been like 20 questions. But uh, you've got a life to get back to, Craig. I know it's pretty late there on the on the East Coast. Uh, hopefully, I can get you on back on at some point during the season for a pro- prospect update, though. And uh, thanks so much for talking hockey. And one more thing: where can people find you online and feel? Yeah, yeah, and feel free to promote your work. Uh, well, you can find most of my stuff at hockeyprospectus.com. It's uh, all free there. Uh, we have 11 scouts worldwide covering prospect coverage there. Full, full reports. Not like some other reports that are just quotes from other scouts. These are our scouts doing full reports. Uh, I do some contributions to Six Sends and Sends Chirp every now and then but probably mostly with the six cents i'll be putting some stuff hopefully i'll finally get my draft preview finished uh and uh, get that out there early this week so people can actually read my long-winded 2000 words on logan brown (laughs) (laughs) all right yeah well uh looking forward to reading your stuff then and uh hopefully you can get some updates during the season from you yeah, anytime. I'll uh, definitely when some top prospects are running through town, maybe we can meet up at that point. Yeah, sure. All right, bye. Thanks. All right, great. Thanks again. Cheers, Trevor. Okay, bye. bye. And one last thing before I go, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And if you like the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe, as it really helps to give the podcast some recognition. Uh, if you have family and friends that are Sense fans, please let them, let them know about the podcast. And lastly, you can follow me on Twitter at ShaqTS, and you can read my articles on Silver 7 Sens and read other people's articles on Silver 7 Sens. That's it for me. I'll see you next episode. Adios. Adios.